Well, hello White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host for the evening, Mr. Xavier Sanchez. How you doing, Xavier? Doing, you know, I don't know if I should say good or well, even though personally I am, but uh, when it comes to sports, the not so great. Yeah, this White Sox team's been pretty brutal to watch. Not gonna lie, it's been pretty pretty terrible to watch. <laughs> uh, that series that we I'm just got out the, of. Oof. I'm usually the optimistic one of the three of us, and I, I don't have too much optimism. Yeah, there's not much to be optimistic about, to be honest. I mean, it's uh, you know we're getting down to the wire here. White Sox are under 500. The consensus division winner pretty much across all of baseball and uh this team just cannot get out of second gear and uh and get moving you know it's just been uh, a tough watch all year long no uh no power no uh <laughs> you know no fielding no base running it's been just pretty pretty brutal in general um yeah, so uh, it's been ugly, man. Um, so I figured uh, we'd start off the evening with a little bit of chatter about this uh, this past D-back series, and uh, I'm sure that you have uh, you know some some factoids and stuff to mention here. Um, I'll just go ahead and uh, preface all this stuff. Uh, so the White Sox come in to this series at 63 and 62, one game above 500. And the Diamondbacks come in at 56 and 67. So you would think that the White Sox had a good shot at uh, taking the series. Unfortunately, as we know, that was not the case. And they got swept in three games. Um, Friday, 7 to 2. Saturday, 10 to 5. And Sunday, 3 to 2. Uh, so let's just go ahead and start off with Friday. Uh, Johnny Cueto on the bump, and with him being the quality uh, quality starts leader on the team against a D-backs team that is pretty far sub 500, you would think that you know you're looking at a a slam dunk, and that game was anything but that. Yeah, that was very disappointing, and it's hard to like knock Guido because you, you can't. It's hard when like a, a full season long to be perfect the whole year long. You know, you're gonna have an outing like that, and he really had not had an outing like that whatsoever. I think the previous high of the season was five, but that was like super early on, and it wasn't even uh, like where he was getting beat up. I think it was a couple couple at bats in that original game uh but this one it just nothing uh was working yeah six runs in the second inning gives up seven runs total um i guess the the good thing that you could say is that uh tanner banks and jose ruiz came in and threw four shutout innings afterwards but by that point the damage was done and uh, especially with this offense, um, 
the White Sox offense managed to match up six hits versus six hits. Uh, unfortunately, um, uncharacteristically, Johnny Cueto walked a couple of guys in that second inning. And I think that probably one of the things that hurts the most about that is that the two walks that he gave up in that inning were to Jordan Luplo and uh, Perdomo, both of those guys hitting well under 200. I mean, not that, you know, we put a huge amount of, uh, you know, anything into batting average. I mean, it's, you know, it is a useful stat, but, you know, if you're simply looking at uh, guys' batting averages, you're you're probably missing something. But, you know, Jordan Luplo, uh, we know him from his days with the uh, Cleveland franchise, and he's known mostly as a lefty killer. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it just, uh, I, you know, if, if you don't get those two guys out to get yourself out of that inning and one's batting like, I think, 163 and the other one's batting like 188 or something like that, if you can't get through those two guys to get out of the inning, uh, something's something's wrong. Obviously, uh, throughout the whole year, they, they've let some key, like, really good baseball players beat us, but... Uh, the guys that they should have had a breeze, not just the guys, but the people uh, that you knew going in, the lineup backed up way better where the White Sox should have had the edge. Uh, this weekend was for both the players that beat us, and then the, t- the team as a whole is kind of just shows how the season went. And uh, Perdomo, too, I th- he had a couple of nice at-bats throughout the whole weekend. He did. Uh, maybe it's you know that he's used to being in the Chicagoland area playing with the Kane County Cougars. Uh, I remember seeing him quite often over there in Geneva, and uh, maybe it's just that he was having some home cooking. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what the deal was, um, but yeah, that game just uh, it turned ugly real quick, and it was one of those things that you know, depending on how you know how uh, committed you are. Uh, that might have been an early exit, depending on uh, whether you felt like watching baseball that night or not. It's a different team and player, but I, I might be Perdomo, who uh, actually made the trip out to visit the host family. I could be wrong, but I, I want to say r- r- just like this past week, and one of the major league teams went to go visit one of the host families that housed them. When I got the time, but he might be the guy. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I mean, there's a, there were a couple of guys uh, that you know we used to watch me and my kid when we would go to uh, to Kane County. There was a couple of guys that have played with the Diamondbacks so far this year. Um, Buddy Kennedy was one of them, and uh, Geraldo Perdomo was another one of them. Uh, obviously, Alec Thomas as well, um, which I'll get to him in a little bit. Um. Yeah, but that uh, that Friday that Friday night game was just uh, pretty ugly. I mean, they couldn't really the, the White Sox, you know, just can't string anything together. Um, Saturday, White Sox. It was, what's that? Oh, sorry, go ahead. It, it, it was Perdomo. I yeah. did just double check. It was Perdomo. He, they came out to the game and that. So maybe he didn't get that home cooked meal. Entirely possible. Um, Saturday, 
White Sox lose 10-5. Davis Martin, three innings pitch, five runs. Um, as Tony La Russa said, he didn't look sharp. We've seen him sharp, and he wasn't sharp. Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Um, you know, he looked okay uh, coming out of the gate, but, uh, you know, again, you know, regardless of who it is, if the White Sox can find a different person to lose a game, they'll find that person. And uh, that person that game was uh, Davis Martin. The game before it was Johnny Cueto. And, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, the White Sox, again, you know, they get seven hits and uh, they get out hit 11 to, 11 to 7. And uh, Joe Kelly with zero innings logged. Uh, yet he gives up three runs on two hits and a walk. And, um, again, you know, just, uh, they can't dig themselves out of the early hole. And, uh, you know, they did manage to score five and there, you know, there was a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of calls that some people were complaining about that, uh, Tony La Russa made, but, you know, I think that's kind of one of those things that, in the grand scheme of things, you know, the, the the issue lies with the White Sox hitters not being able to capitalize on any opportunities for the most part. And, um, you know, when, when you can't uh, out, you know, when, we can, when you can't homer your way out of a hole, it's going to be pretty, pretty long season. And that, that's what it's turned out to be. And the five win, and it's so rare the White Sox even score five runs, and here they get it and still manage to lose big. Uh, one of the things looking up uh, before that game, Davis Martin did have some nice stretches recently, but at home, that's been he's been killed there so far this season. And then Merrill Kelly, uh, a team finally gets to Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly has was given up one, two, and like. I think during the the stretch, the highest was three runs. Here he gives up a three-run home run and a fourth run, yet we still didn't get past him and get the victory. Just another, as you said, we can't, if they're not going to hit home runs. Um, well. Yeah, well, you know, and the, the interesting thing, though, is in that game, I think that the, I want to say the Diamondbacks had one extra base hit in that game and scored 10 runs. So everything else was singles and walks. I know I've had a couple with uh, the pre- reviews and post previews. Games there were pretty, they were pretty. Com- despite them having the end, they were pretty close a lot of the time. Some of the extra base hits, uh, and they still found a way. If only the White Sox could find a way to score that many runs with that hits. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, Dylan Cease day. Dylan Cease goes a career-long eight innings pitched. And uh, the White Sox score two runs. The unfortunate thing is that uh, Dylan Cease gives up two home runs and uh, Kendall Graveman blows the game. And the White Sox lose three to two. Uh, they out hit the D backs seven to three in that game, yet got outscored three to two. Hey, 
say they not only out hit them, but they also had more walks. The White Sox, the Bears, and I, I don't I don't remember the strikeouts, but uh, they know lately and still coming up with the L in the loss column. Yep, it's uh, uh, like. And they didn't cut uh, C. I like that they kind of just let him hang in there, see what happens to go longer since his pitches allowed it. Uh, it's unfortunate that that late inning home run happened. Um, like we've been talking all season long, guys getting cut at random times, and finally go that extra inning and that happens. But that hopefully that doesn't deter in other situations, though from giving that guy that extra inning that they should go, but normally don't go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hey, Grimtel, how you doing? I see that you are using one of the new emotes, um, the running TLR emote. Um, Do you see that Edwin Encarnacion comparison tweet? I did not. Uh, Please let me know. Uh, where I can find said tweet. I'm into uh, White Sox shaming tweets because that seems like like the only thing that we seem to see these these days is uh, White Sox shaming tweets. Um, so here's an interesting thing from this past series that uh, just happened with the Diamondbacks. Uh, the White Sox had five doubles and two home runs. Uh, for a total of seven extra base hits. Uh, they had 20 hits total. The Diamondbacks had three doubles and four home runs for seven extra base hits. They also had 20 hits for the series. The White Sox were outscored 20-9 to nine in the series and got swept. So, you know, that, uh, that old Hawkism... Don't tell me what you hit. Tell me when you hit it. You know, and uh, that's a fairly accurate thing. You know, it was uh, no timing. The uh, men left on base for the White Sox was again absurd. I don't have the count in front of me, but I know that their runners left on base was was high. I could look that up, but I'm not gonna because at this point, just kind of beating a dead horse, but. Uh, Grimtel says his 2020 season would have put him fourth on the 2022 team in home runs. Ugh. Yuck. Uh, Here's a a fun little stat. Um, If you take Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, and Gavin Sheets and add their home run totals together, they have one more home run than Aaron Judge. Yuck. If you total up uh, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo, I think, if I remember correctly, they have more home runs than the top eight White Sox players combined. It is just, I mean, to say it's a power outage would be a gross understatement. This team just cannot hit for any power. I'm not... Entirely sure whether we're talking about a swing plane issue and this is a Frank Menachino driven problem or 
or what the deal is. All I know is that it's just whatever is happening, it's not good. So we have three games coming up against the Royals. Then we got three against the Twins. You know, the White Sox are 7-9 and nine against the Royals this year. I don't see any possibility, really, that, um, you know, that we're looking at the White Sox making any sort of run on this thing whatsoever. And uh, I've just been requested to uh, change my hats by John Rudels, so I'm going to have to go and change my hat. I'll be right back. Got the uh, the uh, Charlotte construction cones, the uh, an alternate for the uh, Charlotte Knights from last year. Um, the jerseys were hideous, but the hats weren't so bad. I mean, they're bright yellow. If you can handle yellow, not bad. Yeah. So, uh, what are you thinking about this? Uh, about the the Royals and the, the Twin series that are coming up here? Are you pretty much seeing it how I'm seeing it? That it's just uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion that it's only a matter of time until these guys are done. Yeah, I, I think this weekend really put it in my head. Uh, obviously, the last time we spoke two weeks ago, I actually when them them splitting those series or being around five hundred. First, what was it, the Astros and someone else, Indians? Um, I still had hope, uh, but once they, the way they played against the Royals and Royals and Diamondbacks, I think that, that was it for me. I I don't see any change. Have had they shouldn't have struggled the way they did, and if they couldn't get it done then. They're not going to get it done against the next few times. They're going to have to play the Royals and Indian, their Guardians and Twins again, and Tigers. Who they'll they'll, play, they'll compete against the Tigers, but I don't. They're not going to win enough games to slip in. Yeah, the Tigers are pretty much universally the only team that are worse in every offensive category, other than the you know worse than the White Sox in every single category. And that's saying a lot because the White Sox are, you know, their offensive numbers are awful. You know, if you put them on the team leaderboards against all the other teams, it's just, oh, man, is it ugly. I was just telling uh, chat earlier that, uh, you know, if you tally up Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, and Gavin Sheets, they have one, one more home run than Aaron Judge. I know, and then like we're seeing this week and this month, we're seeing the home run chase for Albert Pujols, and it's like, ah, oh, that guy's doing it at his age, and our guys can't even get close to that. Yeah, when you like, when you, there's when you there's see no the, uh, reason the White Sox don't have at least five with twenty home runs this season. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, the fact that they don't even have one, they don't yeah. they don't even have one guy with 20 home runs and like the uh who was it uh trying to think the guy on the diamondbacks um that just shows you how uh, how terrible that the white Sox lost we can't even like remember these diamondbacks players names they're not memorable players um, yeah and they're making us look look embarrassing christian walker christian oh, walker yeah. has 30 home runs and the White Sox don't even have one guy with 20. 
it's it, it's <laughs> I I'm at a loss for words that they are that bad at hitting for power. Um, you know, even Jose Abreu, who leads the team in home runs, which is you know not completely and totally unexpected, uh, but the fact that he's leading it with what he's leading it with is just one of the one of the saddest stats on the year. Um, you know, he's on pace right now for the lowest uh, ISO slash slug of his entire career. You know, I it's I mean it's not gonna. I think that he'll probably end up uh, with a higher OPS plus or WRC plus than his lowest lowest season ever, and uh, not finish with his lowest WAR of of his career. But uh, the fact that most of it is singles driven is just awful. Um, yeah, just aggravating. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much. Uh, just resigned to the fact that the White Sox are on their way out. And uh, at this point, I'm kind of happy. You know, they've been hanging on for so long. And the thing is, is that the division's so bad that there is still a shot at the White Sox making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're a game under 500 and it's almost September. And they're still only, what, four games out of first or five games out of first place? Five games out of first, yep. And like four games out of a wild card spot or something like that? Somewhere close to that. Regardless, it is a sad state of affairs that this team is anywhere even close. Weren't the Braves 500 last season? Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, so I'm glad that you. I'm actually glad that you bring up that the Braves were right around 500 last year. And also, I will bring up that the the Nationals, when they won the World Series a few years ago, they were awful for the first three months of the season, and they ended up, uh, you know, they went on a pretty ridiculous run to end the year. But uh, I, we haven't seen a hot streak at all. Yeah, I, our longest hot streak was six games, and that was in the first week and a half of the season. And we've had one other five-game winning streak, which happened uh, two weeks ago. And then they managed to lose nine out of 11 after that. So um, I, I'd say that the difference here between the Braves and the White Sox is that the fact that the the Braves were playing against better competition, it's exactly like the Diamondbacks, okay? The Diamondbacks came into the series with the White Sox at 56 and 67. They're now 59 and 67. I don't know if they're winning or losing tonight, but um, the thing is is that they have to play the Dodgers. They have to play the Padres. They have to play the Giants, which the Giants' offense has been pretty terrible this year. Like I, I will, I will concede that. But you know the fact that they're playing against the Dodgers, and me and Grimtall were talking about it earlier. I think he said that there were fifty games over five hundred, or something like that. Um, you're not going to get a whole lot of wins when you are the Diamondbacks and you're playing the Dodgers. You know, it's just the the you know the Diamondbacks roster at this particular point, is not meant, you know, to 
beat the Dodgers this season, and they know that that's not what's happening. So they're bringing up their young guys and giving their young guys, you know, at bats. That's not what the White Sox are supposed to be. And then the fact that the White Sox are getting swept by the Diamondbacks, it just shows you how little fight is left in this team. And the fact that they can't scrape together enough offense to take two out of three against the Diamondbacks, even one out of three against the Diamondbacks. On on cease day, we only allows two runs through eight innings. Only two hits. You know? Aggravating. Yeah, it was nice to see Romy play well this series. It's it's really you know, I will say in general, it's nice to see Romy playing at all because he's been either injured or sick pretty much the entire season this year. And he's only really been healthy for the last month. So the fact that he got brought back up to Major League Baseball after more or less, I, I don't even know how many games he played in AAA, but it was something, it was probably somewhere around like 20 or so. He just could not stay on the field, whether he got you know sick and was out for a while. I know he had some uh, some something with te- with his teeth or something like that that went wrong, and then there was a there was like a wrist injury or something, and it was just one thing after another for that dude, and he just couldn't stay on the field. And uh, now he gets brought up after he's back to being healthy, and hey, look, he can still hit a baseball, so that's wonderful to see. Um. Another thing that was nice to see was Carlos Perez finally got a call up. Uh, what I will say, however, is the fact that uh, you know he didn't really get a whole lot of he didn't get a ton of playing time. He got some, you know, but uh, it uh, once again goes back to the uh, the Tony Larusa way of doing things, where if you've got a young rookie guy coming up, odds are he's probably not getting a whole lot of playing time. Um, the White Sox go out and sign Elvis Andrus, which we talked about on the last stream. Um, I saw that uh, James Fox earlier today tweeted out that there's pretty much no reason that Josh Harrison and Elvis Andrus should be playing for the rest of the year. It should be prospects. It should be Sosa. It should be Romy Gonzalez. Those are the guys that should be playing. So that way you can see what you have for next year. Because we know that with, you know, in all likelihood, we're not looking at a whole lot of free agent signings this winter. I have pretty much zero hope in anything like that happening just because of the way the payroll's at. And, uh, you know, I just, I didn't put much stock in it last year. I didn't think that they were going to spend any money in free agency. And the only place that they really spent it was in the bullpen. Yeah, what a sad state of affairs, thinking about uh, last season to now and where we thought we would be. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's not like the signs weren't there. We were talking about things since June of last year that the offense was pretty stagnant and pretty terrible, you know, after, I think it was like, June 7th or something or June 15th or something last year, it just kind of like dropped off the face of the earth and, uh, had been a, you know, I think that's, I think that's a time where everybody, uh, pretty much uses as their baseline for, you know, that 500 stat that you keep on seeing 
for the last, uh, oh, I don't know, two months or so, where all we do is hear about uh, how the White Sox are 500 from this date and 500 from this date and 500 from this date and think that they went even all i think somebody on their on a tweet within the last couple of days went all the way back to like 1908 or something like that yeah Ugh. um funny yeah awful uh so there's been some talk lately uh just around social media and whatever about tony larusa making his way out of the manager's role for next year. Uh, there's also some suggestion that Chris Getzo is going to take over as GM. Um, where do, I, do, do you have any thoughts on this at all? I did uh, I didn't read about that, too. And then someone brought up the point that if Chris Getz moves as the GM, then it shifts Kenny Williams. It's an issue. That's the hard thing. Like Chris gets, you know, you want to, you want, as a person in his shoes, you'd want to be able to climb the ladder of what the, the roles in baseball. But he seems to be doing a, a solid job where he's at. And you would like to see him stay there, but have the other guys that are supposed to be around him improve. That's, so uh, you're, you're kind of in a, another pickle there. Yeah, that was pretty much my first thought when somebody had mentioned that Chris Getz was going to be bumped up to GM. My first thought was, if you move him, then we've got KW Jr. running the minor league system because he's his assistant. So, or I mean, it, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's a lateral step. I mean... Yes, I would like to see Chris get get some recognition for doing the job that he's done. And with the steps that the minor leagues have taken this year, you know, with the uh, position players doing some damage down there and uh, getting several guys in the top 100 prospects. Uh, Granted, you know, one of them's Colas and was an international signing. But, you know, also, you know, he has developed a little bit this season. Um, you know, say what you will about, you know, hand injury and or wrist injury, whatever it was when he was in Winston-Salem. And now that he's healthy, he's up in Birmingham and he's hammering the ball. Yes, but even still, the farm system looks like it's on its way up a little bit. Um, is that what we want to do? Is we want to... As soon as we start to see a little bit of traction in the minor leagues, then we change the guy who's in charge of the minor league system and go to somebody who doesn't have any experience with that. Seems like a fairly uh, bad idea to me, and at best a, lit- a lateral move. Yeah, that the energy that this organization and people around it uh, put towards things that don't need urgency is kind of shows you why we're in the the place that we are. There's other, other areas that need changes sooner, but they're focused on the wrong things. Yeah. Uh, Grimtall brings up the, uh, a tweet about the irony that Jr. hired Tony to undo his firing only to let him destroy his hall of fame legacy. 
Yeah, you know? it's, the, it's it's not in the same way because he's not in the Hall of Famer, but to the uh, generations that of, of younger people of Robin Ventura and w- what they see Robin Ventura compared to like maybe some of the older guys that remember him as a White Sox player over some of us who only know him from his time managing. True. Um, so the, uh, as you see from our, uh, new emote, the, uh, the cell emote, um, the last couple of days, there have been people out in the stands with sell the team. And, uh, they, the, a couple of these guys, whoever they might be, uh, doing solid work, uh, managed to get to about the third row right behind home plate. So this sign is right on TV, and uh, it's got some, you know, huge legs on social media and is all over the place. I heard somebody mention this afternoon that they weren't sure that if Jerry was to sell the team, if it would necessarily make any changes and that it really normally isn't like a, you know, necessarily a gateway to a team being better. And my thought was, you know, the Tribune sold the Cubs. They won the World Series. Uh, The Dodgers have been pretty good since they sold – you know, since they sold to the group that's got Magic Johnson in it. Um, To me, it seems like, uh, you know, the Mets, of course, with uh, Cohen buying them. Uh, It seems like there's been a pretty good string of luck as of late with owners buying teams and turning those teams around. Now, I know that it would be a very White Sox thing for them to get bought by somebody that didn't do that. Uh, but would you be hopeful that he sells the team? I mean, say he was to do it after the season. I know Artie Moreno is talking about putting his team up for sale, and he's got to wait for uh, another team that got put up for sale. I forget who it was. Maybe it was the Rockies that's also up for sale. Um, Angels. Angel. Well, no, no. I know the Angels, but oh, I think – Oh, I think, other uh, than the Angels. Oh. Yeah, I think the Rockies – Possibly were the team, or maybe it was the A's. I can't remember. It's some West Coast team. Uh, but would you be hopeful that if it was to go up for sale, do you think that it would be beneficial for the White Sox to get new ownership? Uh, a couple things. One, it, it would be a White Sox thing where it just fails. Um, but I also think, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. You know, what's working hasn't worked you know maybe you get an energetic guy like you see with Cohen who's on Twitter uh taking feedback and responding to people's tweets with guys who maybe they should go out and get and maybe even get them so if you get a guy who's who's interested in the team as much maybe well there is some rumor that uh there is some sort of a Chicago backed group brought uh, bought a major stake in the White Sox uh, within the last year or so, I think about 30% or so. Um, So it's entirely possible that the people who are going to own the White Sox after 
Jerry is gone are already part of the mix. Um, That's what I wonder. Like, he owns both teams still, right? Yep. Do you think he would get rid of one and not the other? I, from what my understanding is, is that he told his son to keep the Bulls and sell the White Sox. That's he what I've to... heard. Okay. Now, I mean, how much truth there is to that, uh, that I can't say. Um, I, I would say that it's probably, if, if obviously, if his heart isn't in it, um, I would like for him to sell it. And uh, if he truly did tell him to sell, cool. He owns 50% of the White Sox and 100% of the Bulls. I think that, I don't think he owns that much of the White Sox, actually. I think he only owns like 20% of the of the White Sox, if I remember correctly, because it's a large group of uh, a bunch of different investors that own the team. He's just the chairman of that board. And I have seen it brought up as, you know, as of late that if the rest of the conglomerate were to want Jerry to step down, I would assume that they could probably call some sort of a vote to, to make that happen. I mean, when you, you know, every time you turn on local TV, you see stuff like uh, sell the team banners being held up in the outfield and behind home plate. And on, Major publications across the internet, in print, on TV. At some point, maybe that starts to you know grind those people's gears enough to the point where they're finally like, "All right, we have to do something about this." I, the The fact that he hired Tony Larusa in the first place, against probably all the advice of all of his baseball people. And uh, against probably all kinds, you know, like any kind of logic you could think of, uh, hired Tony Larusa. That maybe that might have given the rest of the, you know, ownership group a reason to pause and go. Maybe this is not the best idea, and maybe he's kind of, you know, losing his grip on reality, but. Who knows? You know, again, that's tinfoil, tinfoil hat theories, you know, and there's no way of really proving any of that stuff because it's just going to be, you know, hearsay or uh, wishful thinking on my part, I suppose. Grimtall says, why would they? If they sold zero tickets for the rest of the season, they're still going to turn a big profit. Well, they're still going to turn a big profit anyway. I mean, if they don't sell any more tickets... I, I think that they're still a ways away from that uh, that extra tax hike threshold that they have to hit to get to that point. So I don't think that there's really going to be any problem with that. And with them continuing to tank the way they they do, I don't see a whole lot of walkups. You know, <laughs> a whole lot of walkups being bought here in the n- next couple of weeks. Just a thought. I mean, there's only a month left in the season, so. You know, I think pretty much most of the tickets that are probably going to be used have probably already been purchased because I don't think anybody's going to be walking up to watch this garbage. 
I think about all the people who who bought tickets earlier in the year for this late late September run and how exciting some of these games would have been. Nope. Nope. Not what they thought. Yeah. And I know that uh, right now, a bunch of the ticket reps have been calling around trying to get people to renew their season tickets. And I've seen quite a few people that have said, uh, yeah, no, I'm not renewing. Uh, unless TLR gets fired, and uh, I 100% don't blame them. You know, this is the least amount of White Sox games I've gone to in, uh, you know, obviously not 2020 because there's nothing I could do about that. But it's the least amount of White Sox games I've been to in like six or seven years. Yeah, it's it's been that kind of year. Um, I see the Sox Fest should be fun this winter. What, hopefully they have it. I don't think they're gonna. I, I think that one of the things that uh, you know that this that COVID has done has made it really easy for them to not do the fan experience thing and do Soxfest, and I think that it really benefits them because people will be showing up with pitchforks and torches to the GM and you know, ownership uh, ex- expo or however you want to put it, you know, like yeah. there's no shot that those guys are going to get in front of a microphone and get in front of, you know, 500 angry people. I just don't see it happening. Maybe that just might be, you know, that forum might just not be part of the uh, festivities if they continue to do, Sox Fest. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have like the whole schedule out and include a time slot where and then that weekend comes up and then they oh we're we're pinched on time. We had to cut that one out. The guys can't couldn't get in town. There's a big snowstorm. Yeah, at this point, you know, if I was on the team, there's no shot I would want to do Sox Fest. No way. You're gonna put me at a you know up at a table with a guy walking around with a microphone asking, you know, asking fans for their questions. These guys, every single one of them, every single one of them is going to get killed. Every single one of them. You know, even Jose Abreu. You He's know, giving people, everything. Yeah. People will be nice to him, but they're going to be like, why you guys suck this? so bad? <laughs> you know? Yep. It's uh yeah. Yeah, more more minor league games this year. 100%. And I would continue I will continue to do so. Uh if nothing changes, you know, I know you know at minimum TLR has one more year left on his contract. If he's brought back next year, White Sox Twitter is going to lose its mind. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. But uh, sometimes you can be a little cynical and you're just like, you kind of just want to see what would happen if that happened too. Some people like to watch the world burn, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, after this season, um, I don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of hope you could have for next year. I mean, save the fact that all these guys don't get hurt for two-thirds of the season, and they all 
return to what we thought was going to be their norm, which might actually end up being their career best years. We don't know. You know, and we've and we've talked about how it was a smaller window than we that we believed too. So it was the time was now with some of these guys, especially with the way you signed Lance Lynn last year and some of the other contracts. It's looking less and less likely that what we thought being a World Series team, uh, looking more like uh, another complete remodel of this team. Yeah. At no point ever did I think that I would be saying that, well, maybe we might have to uh, think about retooling this team. I thought at this point, that we'd be looking at several guys that were putting up like 20, 25 home runs and a couple of guys that were putting up 35 home runs. And the team would be at least somewhat close to leading the league in home runs and that we would have a couple of guys that were, you know, not that wins are necessarily a good marker for what they're doing, but, you know, if the team was that good, you'd have several guys that were in like the 15, 16, 17, 18 win type seasons. And unfortunately, you know, we're looking at a 50% overhaul of the roster and trading away guys and letting guys walk. I mean, here's a question. What are we going to, what are the White Sox going to do with Yasmani Grandal? You know, Guy's hitting like what one twenty five or something like that. Isn't walking. Is yeah, not hitting for power. And I know that there's an issue with his leg still, and it has been talked about as of late on you know by Steve Stone and stuff that uh, on in interviews that there is a problem with his leg still. And if that was the case, seeing how the team was performing seeing how he was performing with one leg, why do they continue to let him tr- you know, trot out there and continue yeah. to play? He should have been on the the IL for you know months. Yeah, I th- I think right now, knowing how this past weekend went, they should the the coaches and staff really need to think and be like, okay, we're here Playoffs is definitely, at least they should think realistically, playoffs should be out of the question. And for a guy like Grandal, they should just go, go, and some of the other players that you might think are hurting, like I I know Robert was having some issues this past week. Maybe just put them on the fence, let them uh, have the long term of in better because you see other teams be bold. I know some have more extreme injuries, but like you the Dodgers, Walker Bueller's hurt, needs surgery, and he's out for the whole year. And they're a contending team. They're get they're letting those guys get healthy on their team. Don't try to push a team on their last leg uh, to just squeeze into the playoffs. So I I think they should really just get these guys, um, put them on the the list, send them into rehab and not rush them into playing action and then let those prospects come up, let them play. Let's get them some at bats. Well, I mean, it really seems like 
I mean, we know Aloy came back early. We know Grandal came back early. We know that Moncada came back early. You know, from from all these injuries, and it seems like uh, you know the fact that you know all, here's a very important one. Laori came back after one rehab game down in Charlotte. You know, it's just and it seems like it done did more harm than good. Especially knowing that the the entire team was struggling, there was no reason to bring him back at that. You know, at this point, like the and the results are the same. They're still in the same spot as they were round five hundred. So now we're all the way in September. Same situation. Nothing's changed. So just just put them on the fence. We'll give them give them the rest. We'll we'll, we'll close the book on this year and hopefully figure it out. Yeah, I mean, and not to mention, you know. You bring in Larry Garcia the other day, who is at a 40 WRC+. plus. You actually took a better player out of the lineup to put Larry Garcia in there. Granted, he almost he almost got a hit that would have won the game. Almost. Uh, the fact that it was foul and then he uh, you know, didn't win the game. There is that, which seems to be pretty much par for the course for what he's done this year is he's almost gotten a hit when it was important way more times than he has gotten a hit when it was important. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 60% worse than the average major league baseball player. And you rush him back from his rehab stint so you can get him on your roster for what? What? Why? <laughs> I mean, I understand it's it's uh, Tony Larusa's boy, you know he loves him some Larry Garcia, uh, but I mean, if I'm Rick Hahn and Tony's like, oh, when can we get Larry back? I'm not, I'm not pulling the trigger on that. I'm just letting him stay down in AAA. No reason to bring him back. You know, it's not like he's gonna all of a sudden be like. Oh, I've got a sore back now. I'm good enough to play, but all of a sudden now I'm going to be a average major league baseball player. I mean, sixty percent worse than the average baseball player, and they're fourteen. Two more seasons of them. Two more seasons at six and a half million dollars a piece. Like what? <laughs> I I'm just. 10-day max on the rehab stint. Well, see, here's the thing, is that he only played one game. So if he was injured, what 10 days would be, you know, six, seven games. Would it not? Or am I misreading that? I know that uh, Aloy had to come back, but Aloy also was down there for a long time. You know? So and he did re-injure himself as well. So they kept on bumping it back and bumping it back. So I mean, with Leori, it was not that. It was like we need to get him back up here. It's very important that we have Leori back. And with Romy Gonzalez there, Elvis Andrus, Josh Harrison, what was what was the point in bringing him back? And if he's still here next year going into next season 
with Tony Larusa still as the manager. We have this to look forward to again because he's going to do the exact same thing. Now, whether Larry Garcia will still put up the same numbers, that's a completely different discussion. But I kind of, you know, the fact that, you know, his career best year is 6% uh, 6 above a average Major League Baseball player, and that happened in a 60-game season that he played in 16 games of, uh, isn't really inspiring. So... Yeah, I just uh there's there are so many questions with this team going into next year. I'm kind of excited to see what happens, but I'm also very fearful of what's going to happen. Because if they keep TLR in this role as the manager, that's I I don't see how that's good for the team. If they bump him up to some sort of, uh, you know, like a, a personnel type of thing, um, I forget who it was, but it was somebody in Arizona uh, that said more or less that uh, if you think moving him to a personnel position is a good idea, he's he said I saw it every day and it was a it was a train wreck. So. Um, I mean, he traded, you know, he traded for the wrong player once, uh, players that he had signed didn't do well. I mean, just a, a laundry list of things that he's done that just have not worked out. And, uh, and then this is what you're going to do so you can avoid embarrassing him by firing him again. I mean, they just kind of, it's just painted into a, into a bad corner and, uh, We'll see what happens. Yep. <laughs> Just shake the head and say, nope. Yeah, it's ugly. Um, so, uh, news came out yesterday. Uh, moving along, as it is now the 10 o'clock hour. Um, we talked long enough about that train wreck. Let's move on to... Uh, Something else that's uh, interesting. Yesterday, news came out at midnight that the Major League Baseball Players Union had sent out uh, cards to minor league players to start the process of unionizing the minor league baseball players. Um, that's huge. Um, they've been without representation, uh, without anybody fighting in their corner throughout any bargaining, uh, any collective bargaining agreement whatsoever. And now that would, you know, you would think anyway, would get Tony Clark and those guys also trying to include the minor league players into negotiations and try and get them going uh, as far as minimum salaries and, uh, you know, wage increases, uh, livable wage 
for the minor league baseball players. Now I know that you know a bunch has been done in the last couple of years. Twenty twenty, uh, they agreed to raise the salaries, and then they uh, provided them with housing starting this year. Uh, so there's been raises and uh, housing put up. Uh, but we, you know, we all know that these guys get still get paid not a whole lot, and it's only for a couple months out of the year. So when they're done with the baseball season, then they're pretty much left with no pay through the off season. And um, I don't know, just really interesting to see what's going to happen here. You have any thoughts on it, Xavier? Yeah, the the last few years little drops of things that are definitely improvements, but it's been far too long. Uh, as other areas push for like more things that they, they deserve, there's no reason that minor league baseball shouldn't be in the discussions for improving their their uh, their lives and in their career as well. And it's it's like basic things too. At the end of the day, like they just got like housing help and food help, and you see. Some of these, even smaller school, like colleges, not even the big D1 schools, even those schools do a little bit more uh, help when it comes to housing and food. And here, it's supposed to be professional baseball, whether you think, think so or not. This is professional baseball. Yep. Yeah, and the, like the, th- <laughs> you know, we've we've all heard the horror stories about minor league baseball players sleeping six guys to a, you know, to a place and whatever. And I know that there was a bunch of problems with the White Sox, uh, minor league housing, uh, at low A and high A, um, something about, uh, building, not being ready for, uh, for the players. And so they had to get them housing farther away and without some of these guys having cars, they had to get rides with other players and just, you know, a bunch of nonsense that they shouldn't have to be dealing with. And, um, you know, no transportation provided by the, by the team to, to the stadium, and they got moved a couple of miles away. So if these guys want to get there, you know, they have to get rides from their teammates, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, utter nonsense, stuff that should be sorted out by the team, you know, these are your guys. You're supposed to be developing them. Why yeah, then that, is there always this cutting corners crap, you know, trying to get these guys to be able to do what they're what they're supposed to be able to do best? You know? That's that's one of the things I, I follow like a lot of like random uh baseball players that were professional and uh played in the major league baseball and they might they're not like the biggest of players, but they had, they played well enough and they played a handful of seasons, but they're, how they discuss baseball and the change, it's incredibly like distasteful just because they think that there should be no, how they got, went into like 80s and 90s, the grind they went through, that should be the same way, but, and then like obviously the fun aspect of what you're seeing with the Little League and stuff, but when it comes to this, um, this uh, unionization and the things that they deserve, you would think a team that is investing in these players would make it easier for them to improve and climb up the system. Like, 
I, I think a lot of these players uh, will stress, oh, survival of the fittest, you're going you're gonna to gotta go through these, uh, the grind to get to, to the pros. But at the same time, you just mentioned how they had to go far away, they had to spend all this time just to get to the field. This is cutting away time to uh, improve their skills. Some of these people might take way longer to even get to the pros. So why even make the investment if you're not going to help help them through this process? Because then, if they never get to where they sh- should get, if they had the help, it's going to end up being a waste of their money in some way. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's they they're already not making enough money, and then you're making them spend money on trivial stuff that they shouldn't have to worry about. It's just kind of stupid, but. Um, I don't know. I, I've heard contrasting points from people that think it's a good idea and people think that it's a not necessarily a good idea. And some of the people that were not in favor of them unionizing were specifically for the point that that they have dealt with uh, Chicago public schools unions and yeah, uh, seen, seen how that's gone. So they think that, of course, that... Uh, the players are going to leverage the minor league players somehow for something. I don't. I don't know exactly what they think that major league baseball it, players are going to leverage them for. But yeah, it, there's always pros and cons to unions in general. The, the like the basic idea of them, of course, they want a group of people to come and defend on things you need to make life and your work. A, better for you but at the same time there's always that chance that people take advantage of it and the people who are actually doing the work don't end up getting the benefits when the people on the other side uh are so that's always that in the back of the mind but obviously without it you're not seeing too much lately you are just because of the public pressure i would assume it's been a big part but until recently it's it kind of just coasted with what's been, how it's been run. Yeah. I mean, personally, you know, uh, one of the things that came to mind for me was that regardless of whether you think that there's going to be some sort of leveraging or that they're just doing it so that they're going to be able to pay their dues and whatever, the thing is, is that if they get raises and they possibly get year round pay, especially considering that they're, supposed to be training year round um and having and a lot of them have to pay for their own training when they're not with the you know not with the major league club um regardless of all that stuff to come up with a reason why you think that it's okay for major league baseball to continue to abuse these players and not pay them a living wage uh I just I, I don't see I don't really see any like silver lining to to not letting them unionize. To me it seems like nothing but a good thing for for minor league players. Even if they get a small pay bump and that goes to the dues. Even if that's the case. You know, I mean if there's the possibility that it means that you know when the next collective bargaining agreement comes up, that they that they get something out of it. That's more than they, they've ever pretty much gotten from it before. 
because there's never been anybody speaking on their behalf. You know, and they're not just going to be pushed aside because they're going to have representation at these meetings and they're going to say, yeah, no, we're not going to show up and not get paid for spring training, you know, which is what they've what they've done in the past is that they're expected to show up. If they don't show up, you know, they're not going to make the team, which fine, that's to be expected. But if you're if you have to be there, it's not, you know considered free training or an internship, you know, like these guys should be getting paid for the work that they're doing. So I don't know, just my, my two cents on the thing. I think that, uh, there's not really any bad way to look at this. It seems like it's a, a win win for the minor league guys. Um, another, uh, on white Sox minor league front, um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, Jose Rodriguez out for the year with a broken hamate bone. So he will not be returning this season. Uh, I don't know if this is going to affect it. It's a four- to six-week injury, and there's, I think, uh, two weeks left in the season, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, so his his minor league system, his minor league se- uh, season is done. Um, I don't know if it's going to affect his winter ball plans. I have to assume that also because if it's uh, four to six weeks that Arizona Fall League's also out of the equation for him, which it would be the you know another year that he'd be in it. So I kind of don't know if they'd send him anyway. Um, but there's that, which he had just gotten on his hot streak, and then he breaks his hand swinging the bat. And on the net, I'm almost positive because you could see on a swing that uh, it looked like something happened. I thought it was a wrist issue or a back issue, but on the next pitch, he hit a home run. So uh, if he broke if he broke his hand on a swing and then hit a home run, uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but his season's done, um, which made it very easy to answer one of the questions that I had when we were talking about Project Birmingham that came up last week. Uh, for those of you that are uh, uninitiated to the uh, what this is, um, more or less the White Sox took basically all of their top prospects that were not new draftees or uh, you know very very new to A ball. Um, took them all and put them all in Double A. And all of the instructors went to Double A, so everybody's in Birmingham. So it's been dubbed Project Birmingham. Um, this week was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, things started off awesome. That first game of Project Birmingham was a lot of fun. Uh, home runs from uh, Mieses. He hit a 450 foot home run in his first game there. Um, I don't know. He saw hits from uh, Gladney uh, up from the the Cannonballers. Um, I think the only guy who didn't get a hit in that first game, I think, was uh, Adam Hackenberg, and he got one uh, a couple days ago. Um, just a, a lot of excitement and a lot of fun to watch. Um, seeing these guys all play together, you see Ramos out there, Colson Montgomery. Um, 
Oscar Colas and uh, Uelki Cespedes, who in you know he I think in the first game he went four for five and hit a home run. Um, just seeing all these young guys together, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the next game, not so much. Uh, they ended up losing uh, game two. Um, what did they lose? They lost ten to one. One to so, ten. Yep. Yeah that that one wasn't as that one wasn't as much fun. Um, but you know one of the things that uh, Dan Victor uh, from White Sox Daily and I talked about was that he thought that the record was not going to end up being very good for this project Birmingham, not because the talent wasn't there, but because none of them have played together, uh, just unpreparedness to play together, which totally understandable. Um, you know, we've had, uh, Christian Mena pitched up there, uh, Norhe Vera pitched up there, uh, Sean Burke in the first game pitched really, really well. Um, th- you know, there's just been a lot of good things to take away from this whole thing. And the fact that the White Sox are the first team to do something like this is pretty awesome. So, um, I'm pretty stoked. Did, did you get a chance to to check out any of it? Did you just check it out through the tweets? Yeah, a little through the tweets. I, I just was pulling up some of the box, box scores just now. Yeah, I think that what Dan was saying was fair. It's always hard to just throw in a bunch of guys who are, are solid players all in the situation. Um, I totally unrelated, but I think about. Um, the Miami Heat when they went and had their big three uh, early on for those guys it yeah. didn't match up well they they str- they weren't winning all the games that they should it wasn't blowouts eventually things they figured it out they learned to play together and they had their success and I think even even if the record doesn't show well after the end of the season I think you you will see those those improvements that they you want to see from them and i like the forward thinking of this whole idea um because sometimes you just got to do something different and if they're not going to do something different in the big league club glad we're seeing it somewhere else yeah well we know we know it's not with the big league club they look like they are stagnant and uh they're sputtering so yeah it's definitely uh really fun to see you know uh one thing that hasn't been as fun um, is, you know, the Dash, who had more or less all of their really good players stripped off the roster and taken up to up to Birmingham. So I saw I saw a tweet from some lady, you know, saying, "Please tell me this isn't true," and I have to assume that she's a, uh, you know, a, a Dash season Lord. ticket holder or whatever. And, uh, you know, like I felt bad because, you know, Mieses is gone, Ramos is gone, you know, the only good pitchers that you had in Winston-Salem, those guys are both gone now. Um, you know, your catcher's gone, like just Osix gone, like all these guys, like basically any offensive weapons that were in Winston-Salem are all gone. So you're left with, uh, you know, the guys who are not your top prospects and which, you know, which has been cool because you've seen some, some guys step up, you know, uh, Alessandro Womack, Tony Womack's kid has had a pretty good week, you know, because he's playing every day. So he's consistently 
in the middle of doing things that are helping the team do better. However, you know, the pitching hasn't been, you know, nearly as good because, you know, Mena and, uh, and Norhe Vera are both gone. Um, you know, a couple of your other guys just got promoted in general. So, um, you know, that part hasn't been as fun. Um, but you know, I, you know, like they say, you gotta crack a couple eggs to make an omelet, you know, as far as they usually say that about, you know, trading away a few prospects, but I mean, that's essentially what's going on here is that, you know, Winston Salem's taking the, you know, the brunt of this because all their guys that they had that probably next next season are probably going to all end up, you know, mostly in Birmingham anyway. When you're talking about Ramos and Colson Montgomery and Vera and Mena, like those guys are probably going to end up there anyway. Um, and Kannapolis got supplanted by all the recent draft picks. So there's some interesting stuff going on down there. You could see uh, Tim Elko and Troy Clanch and uh, – Brooks Baldwin and uh, and Jordan Sprinkle. I mean, there's been interesting stuff going down at Kannapolis because they're getting the infusion of the players that are coming up from the ACL and guys that just recently were drafted. So that's cool for them. And, you know, the issue being that, you know, those guys coming up from the ballers going to the dash, which would normally happen, those guys, you know, like DJ Gladney, he went straight to Birmingham. So those guys that would normally fill in those gaps for those guys that are getting promoted to double A to do that final month of the double A season to get that running start into next season. Those guys, instead of doing the same thing, going from Kannapolis to Winston-Salem have now gone from Kannapolis to Birmingham which is going to be really good for next year because guys like DJ Gladney are going to see pitching at double A, and then they're probably going to end up starting an advanced day next year. And they've already seen pitching that's a step above that. So that should help them kind of move a little bit quicker. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I'm 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 really interested to see what kind of dividends this whole thing pays for guys that were in advanced day and next season will be in double A and the guys that came from low A up to double A what that does for them when they have to go back. Cuz I mean I I I seriously doubt that they're going to have DJ Gladney, you know, starting in double oh, A no. next year. I mean, it just doesn't make doesn't make a whole lot of sense and he, especially he's you know, really young for, you know, to be in double A. I mean, he's young to be in high A for that matter. So I don't know, just some really interesting stuff. And I'm really looking forward to assignments for next year and seeing what happens. And I'm also interested to see who the White Sox sent to the Arizona Fall League this year. Um, now with Jose Rodriguez being on the shelf uh, and, it being Colson Montgomery's first year, I know that one of the things that James Fox had thought about originally when they when he heard that uh, Colson got bumped up to Double A was that that was the reason why they did it was so he could go to the Arizona Fall League, having seen a little bit better pitching already. Uh, but uh, you know, with Project Birmingham, I think that kind of 
seems less likely now, especially with it being his first full season. I don't think he's going to be playing in, you know, 180 games in his uh, first season. Just doesn't seem like a, uh, well, I guess maybe 150 games by the time he gets up there. It just doesn't seem plausible to me. Um, Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, You know, I've said it numerous times on this stream that if I did not have minor league baseball to watch this season, I would have uh, I'd have been very upset having to watch the White Sox and have that be my only outlet for seeing baseball is having to withstand that nonsense. You know, at least, I mean, at least if a minor league team wins, I look at it as development. I don't look at it as life or death, which is what's going on with the White Sox and watching them just get their brains beat in game after game after game. Although I guess game on, game off, game on. All right, Grimtall, have a good night. We're about ready to head out, head out too. So, uh, thanks for coming and hanging out in the chat and, uh, enjoy those, uh, those emotes on your, on your text messages. Cause I know I'm going to be using them all the time now. Um, yeah, so you got anything else for uh, for this week there, Xavier? Um, no. You know, I think everyone should uh, just, just call the season and just enjoy what what other aspects of baseball that they like or just find a new thing that they like to spend this last month. Another thing is when it comes to uh, fan policing – uh has been a big thing. I think that's just like a goofy thing. I'm pretty pro just enjoying whatever aspect. Like, of course, you don't want to give the team a reason to keep doing the same things. But also, uh, we we don't. Many of us don't have too many outlets, so I'm still gonna spend an evening at a Sox game since I since I have it right around me. But uh, I know others are like, how dare you go support that? Yeah, don't but, spend your money on them. But, How dare you? <laughs> show them show them with your wallet. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's one guy that I see somewhere that he goes to all the games, but he does not spend a single thing on, uh, or at least he says he doesn't, on merchandise or uh, food, drinks, unless someone happens to get it for him. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, that's that yeah the the voting with your wallet thing and then the uh the other side of the coin is uh you know the fan fan policing fan shaming that uh is essentially if you haven't been with me at my worst you don't deserve me at my best you know that whole thing hey don't you think about coming back here when the white Sox are winning if you're not going to support them now when they're losing you know it's just like all you know people telling other people how to fan baseball um you know i mean i guess i i guess i'm granted i I do the same thing because i tell people that you know recite certain stats are silly for doing it so i guess i'm kind of guilty you know in one shape or form or another but uh you know i'm just yeah for the next month i'm just looking at the storyline seeing seeing what changes is someone going to hit 20 home runs? Uh, are we going to end up finishing the same way with uh, singles and hits? Um, 
And then the other teams that are around there, I'm really intrigued on Albert Pujols. Is well, he gets 700, so I'm kind of locked in on that. Yeah, that I'm I'm interested in that as well. You know, I I, I do uh, I enjoy myself some uh, some Albert Pujols. You know, watching watching what's going on with him, I think that it's um, it's it's entertainment. You know, I mean, is there anything for me in it personally? No, but uh, at least it's something interesting to watch and we i mean we know that we certainly don't have anything interesting going on so why not watch that and we haven't seen like a a big his like really big historical moment in baseball in a while like you see like obviously pitching an all-hitter is a big deal and things like that but like uh when you think of cal ripkin streak or the guys getting the three thousand home uh hit those kinds of things this home run one is something we might never see again, or at least for a long time, because even the guys that do hit home runs, I, it's going to take those guys a lot to even get to where Albert's at. Yeah. And you just don't see guys have longevity uh, in sports the same way they did bef- before. Yeah, I personally, I don't. It's going to be a while until we see another guy that makes it anywhere close to that. Um, you know, we're talking 10, 15 years probably is my guess. Cause I can't think of anybody that's anywhere even close to that. I mean, who else is and the left? guys that are in the 300, 400, some of them are like dunzo. Like, yeah. They're, soon. Yeah. And bad at baseball. So, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the home run thing, you know, I mean the fact that the, the white Sox have 10 more home runs this year, than they had in the 60-game season. And it's almost September. Uh, the White Sox right now, I think they need 15 home runs to tie the 1994 White Sox, the strike-shortened year. Uh, I think that they need 15 more home runs to tie that. And that was with, like, what, 50, 50 games less or 40 games less, something like that. I think they played 120 games. So, yeah, it's just uh, you know, full season, and they're, I, I don't see any way that they're going to hit another 15 home runs. I just don't see it. <laughs> you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm kind of doubting it. So... Well, Xavier, thanks for coming and hanging out tonight. And uh, I think we're going to skip uh, Labor Day and uh, just enjoy ourselves, especially with the state of this White Sox team. I don't really see much point in uh, in killing ourselves on Labor Day just to uh, sit here and complain about uh, another couple series losses because I won't be surprised if that's what happens. I actually, uh, when it was the Orioles and the D-backs, when I predicted what was going to happen last week, I said that they were going to go 500. And they went 1-5. in five. So, um, so at this point, you know, I will be very shocked if they win either of these series. So I don't really see a whole lot of uh, necessary reason to really press ourselves into that. So, Closing yes, the book. Exactly. Close that book. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we'll take the uh, the week off next week, and I think I think Danny's actually in Mexico, so I think you'll be back here again, at least for the next couple of streams, because next week's gonna be a week off, and then uh, 
and then I think he's gone. So you'll be around. And Back uh, it. yeah, we'll uh, keep cranking out, and uh, we'll see see what happens. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, have something fun to talk about next time. Um, if it's uh, if the White Sox are just uh, tanking, maybe we'll just. Uh, Hopefully we'll have some awesome stuff to talk about for the last couple of weeks for Project Birmingham and the rest of the minor league system about something great that's happening. I hope. I'm def- yeah, I definitely will be taking a closer look these next couple of weeks for at the Project Birmingham to be so, so I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, alrighty then. Well, everybody that came and hung out in the chat, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, asking questions and comments and the uh, spamming those super sweet new emotes that uh that are out there and um just thank you for uh supporting and coming and hanging out uh this has been white Sox daily live you have a good night push a robot i'll have a i'll have a good night as well um white Sox daily uh dot substack dot com uh at daily white Sox on twitter uh, in the bio of Twitter or here, uh, you can find our YouTube link, uh, which there hasn't been anything really put up there in a little bit, and I need to—I know I need to get better at that. So this reminds me to do that. Um, but uh, we'll be back in two weeks, uh, two Mondays, and um, hopefully we'll have some awesome white stuff, White Sox stuff to talk about. Uh, if not. Uh, we'll talk about White Sox minor league stuff and uh, analyze what's going on in there. And um, it'll give us something, you know, at least something decent to talk about. Uh, thank you guys for coming and hanging out. My name is Ian Eskridge, former co-host Xavier Sanchez. You guys have a great night, and we will talk at you in a couple weeks. Thanks. Have a good night.